Hello and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast that asks the question, should I beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time? And then also answers it. Yes, we answer, shouting our response into the roiling chaos of time and tide. Yes, as long as it is profitable. Today, we review A-State. It's a game from Scotland about a messed up city or something. Do we have opinions? Indeed we do, on today's System Mastery. Welcome back to System Mastery. I'm your host, Jeff. Joining me, as always, your host, John. John, how are you? I am great. I am a host for the people. I'm here for them. Yeah. I mean, granted, we're both a little taken aback and devastated by the events of the of the world at the moment. Well, the world sucks, but I am here for the people. Specifically just the people. Only the people. Yeah. Which people? Those people. The good people? Ah, uh, the good people of the world. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We're here for the good people of the world. If you're listening and you're a bad person, then get out. Stab it. Unless unless you're also a Patreon Patreon subscriber, then then you know, cut it out. That's that's fine. Just quit being so mean. But it's it's like a plenary indulgences thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we should add that to our level, shouldn't we? Oh yeah. Well, if you if, if you subscribe at the ten dollar level, you receive five years off of your purgatory sentence. Yeah, and if you subscribe at five dollars a month or or uh, or more, you're allowed to take anything less than a dollar from a grocery store that you can fit into your pockets. <laughs> you know, when you eat those grapes, not a sin anymore. Nope, not even a little bit of one. Yeah, your conscience is wiped clean through system mastery. <laughs> I don't know where we're going right now. Uh, John, today we are reviewing a game called A State. Yes, we are reviewing a state. Is it South Carolina? Who knows? It's, uh, well, at least according to the cover, it's A and then whatever that straight slash is. Thing is, when they do it in the, uh, in the book, in the it's, book it's, a, it's an actual, so, uh, f- I think it's a front slash. It's a regular slash, yeah. yeah it, it, the regular good old-fashioned slash. But on the cover, at least, it's A, whatever you call that that slash that indicates you're about to be working with like absolute values. <laughs> And then, and then state. An absolute state. Yeah. I mean, there isn't one on the end, so it's an open-ended equation, if that's the case. An absolutely open-ended state. Yeah. Now, this does have a mod. The book has a, uh, a slogan printed on here on oh, the cover. Oh, it does. Yeah, and the slogan is, and I'm going to try and do this in my baddest ass of, like, Neuromancer cyberpunky voices here. Good. All right. You will never forget the city, but the city will forget you. Now... Let's get into the actual city, because the problem with it being like, you'll never forget the city... But first, let's cut to commercial. I'm just kidding. I'm not sure if we're going to do real commercials or not yet, but we are going to play our station identification for One Shot Podcast. Modifier is an interview podcast with host Megan Dornbrock that's changing the game when it comes to changing games. Designers of every level are invited to discuss what prompted them to hack a game, the kind of play experience they seek to create and the types of stories they're hoping to tell. You can find Modifier and a whole host of other awesome gaming podcasts, including our own at some point, at oneshotpodcast.com. And we're back. I've more or less forgotten about 80% of the city already. Well, I'm saying for a character, there's no way you you will be able to forget the city because it's like saying, yeah, you'll never forget that the planet you're on exists. I guess that's true. I am consistently forgetting that I live on Earth. 
But no, you're right. There's nowhere in this game but the city. Like you can you can leave the city if you want to die immediately from a mysterious thing that kills you. Yep. Because it's not like it's a game element. It's just hey, if you want your character to die, just walk outside the city and there you go. Yeah the the book for the most part reads like someone was looking at something like uh, Haven City of Violence mm-hmm. and was like, oh man. All of my uh, people keep asking, well, why would we stay in this city if it sucks so much? <laughs> That's true. And then he went, I'll tell you why, because if you, if you go outside, you're dead. There's just my gross, grimy shit city, and you've got to play in it. <laughs> it's true. So, uh, so this game basically purports that the entire universe has been boiled down to this one uh, kind of ring-shaped city full of canals and train stations. Uh, and if you leave, then you die. You, don't, you just vanish when you leave. Yeah, you get, like, there's a bright flash and some thunder or whatever, and then you're just gone. Yes. And you leave a mark behind. There's a red, like, a, a scorch mark on the ground where you once stood. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you have to stay in the city. Now, what is the city called? Why, it's Dark City. It's called Dark City. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, and then Mr. Murdoch, we have him in mind. <laughs> I haven't seen that in too long, John. Oh, my God. I, I, I own remember... it, and I watch it all the time, and I love it. I remember the Jennifer Connelly dress, and that is all I remember. I mean, if you're only going to remember one thing from that movie, that is a fine takeaway. <laughs> I know. I, also, a bunch of bald guys in trench coats. Yeah. Every time, one of those bald guys is like, we have Mr. Murdoch in mind. And I'm like, I love you guys. <laughs> you guys are the best. I, I don't even remember what was going on in that. Does it end with like a door that opens to space? Uh, it ends when our main character gains like supreme telekinetic power and takes over the city from the bad guys. So it's basically just like a weirder, gothier Matrix? Kind of. It's it's basically like if the Matrix was, instead of you're all in a simulation, it's you're all in a spaceship. Really? The movie set in a spaceship? Yeah, like the the that dark is, the dark city is just floating in space. That had completely eluded me. Oh, I yeah. had no idea. So it's it's they got captured by aliens and it's alien experimentations on humans and that's what those bald guys are. So it's are. like half Matrix, half Rama. Okay, I get it. I'm up to speed now. It's neat. It's a great thing and way better than A State. A State is a boring book, so that's why we're going to be getting a lot of digressions today. <laughs> I am, I am sure. All right, let's let's try and evaluate what this city is. So this Okay. Ci- so the city uh, there's two big events. The first big event is what destroyed everything, and that is called the balloon animals. I forget. It's the uh, believe it or not, I'm <laughs> walking on air. I, I, right? Is that yeah? Something. It's something with a B as like the burnination. Yeah. The 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 blast noising. Yeah, and it is. Like, there basically was rain, fire, and everything blew up, and... It was the brimstoning. The, it, I mean, it essentially is, like, uh, yeah, everything got nuked. Like, that's what you're supposed to believe. Yes, and the only survivors of the of the world that was are the people living in Dark City, which is not called Dark City. You were just using that yeah. for a bit. It's just called the city. It's just the city. It's, it's San Francisco. Yeah. It's the city. It's the city. <laughs> Uh, but don't call it San Fran. <laughs> <laughs> so the the other weird thing that happened is not only did basically everything just get blown up and destroyed, except for this one area of city, but there is also a thing called the shift, and the shift is sort of like 
gamma world's weird thing where just crap started happening. So the, a dimensional collapse in the case of uh, gamma world, where like multiple dimensions converged on each other. Yeah. So now you get like weird supernatural creatures and shit in the city, mm-hmm. and odd stuff happens. And you also, I don't know, like. I think it would go more into it if there was the next book that was Let's Get Into the Shifted. Yes. But there are weird sort of semi-supernatural creatures that are called the Shifted. Yeah, there's some monstery, ghosty people that you'll see like wandering the streets, and some of them are very dangerous, and other ones of them are very dangerous, (laughs) and some of them aren't quite as dangerous. Yeah. And that's pretty much what those are. They're not playable. They don't have any big secret mystery to reveal about what they are. They're just monsters that are wandering around. Yeah, and in the timeline of this, it is almost a thousand years since whatever the event was that caused this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in that time, they have pretty much just rediscovered some tech, but in dumb ways. Yeah, they've they've reinvented several technological breakthroughs of the past that used to exist. So, for example... Computers exist again, but now they're fully mechanical because electronic computers are su- are too susceptible to viruses. So they're all built out of well, they call them dingins. Yeah, or I can't I can't tell if it's supposed to be dingin or dingin. Well, wh- what's in your heart, John? I mean, probably dingin. It's dingin, right? Yeah, I it, mean, it just sounds better. It's, Get me it's, some dingin. Since it sounds dumber than dingin, I'm gonna go with dingin. Dingins and dragons. <laughs> it's ding. It's dingins and dingins. <laughs> dingins and dongins. <laughs> Dingin. Oh, I go be a dingin. It's dingins and rompers all the way down. Maybe the dingin ate your baby. <laughs> uh, it's notable that this game is one of the few we've read that was actually written in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, we've only reviewed a couple of British games before this. Uh, so finally we do know that actually the the British Isles entirely are bad at writing RPGs. <laughs> hey, not fair. <laughs> one, of, one of the favorite one, one of our favorites ever was a British RPG. Uh, I know. I just don't but care. Granted, the, uh, some of the worst we've ever covered came from there as well. That's what Fantasy Wargaming, the highest level of all, is from. Yep. But also Vanishing Point. I know. So I know. So where does A-State fit in on that uh, that continuum? Uh, oh, it, it is definitely uh, way farther towards the <laughs> fantasy war game. It might be worse than fantasy war gaming, which at least had the temerity to be kind of funny in how dumb it was. Well, I mean, this is least... just boring. Yeah, like fantasy war gaming was a product of its time and a magic product of its time. Whereas this is just like, hey, I don't I don't care. I've, I've decided to make a, a grim, dark, grim, dark city that's dark and grimy. And here you go. And you can't leave. Yeah, you have and, to be in it. And it's got some excesses in it that are unexpected. Like, the art in this book deserves an entire chapter of our podcast. Because <laughs> it's, what was cheapest that day? Oh, poser art. Okay, well, let's just use that. Yeah. Because every person in this is just like a bad CGI model. You start. You get the impression after a while that the reason that everyone is bald in the city is because haircuts are hard in poser. Yeah, there's like, oh, I don't want to deal with hair in this. Everyone's just bald and badass. Everyone's bald and has, like, random tattoos that really just look like some dirt was smudged on them. Very much so, yeah. Uh, and there's only one type of lady. Yeah. Like, you start noticing after a while that anytime there's a picture of a woman, it's the same picture of a woman. They just slightly switch out the uh, the haircut a little bit and then switch which side the nose piercing is on. <laughs> the... The city itself is probably, I want to say, like three quarters of this book is just based on giving you the information of this city. Yeah, this is a book, this is kind of like reading Talislanta in that 
you know, each time you turn the page, you're like, and now the rules. No, oh, never mind. Just more stuff about the city. All right, well, yeah. what's going on? Oh, you got a big engine and it burns people? Okay, great, sure. All right, next to it. Here we go. And now the rule. No, oh, hang on. It's a bunch of stuff about grim train guys who run trains. Okay, sure. All right. Yeah, the, the book is about 200 pages, and it takes until page 140 for them to even get to rules. That's correct. There are no rules in this book until page 140. There are about 15 pages of rules at that point, <laughs> and then they go back into talking about the damn city. Oh, yeah, because as soon as you get through character creation, it's like, well, here, let me give you a bunch of sample characters, and then we're going to go right back into talking about the city and a sample adventure, and it's just, man, you got nothing, because the, I mean, the rules themselves are nothing. It's, it's a percentile roll-under uh, with it action or with uh, advantages and disadvantages system, uh, a bunch of skills, which are also percentile roll-under, an unnecessarily complicated burst and combat mechanic, uh, or combat burst and damage mechanic. Well, yeah, with, uh, and, and with a weird shooting, it's, it's weird. Yeah, and, well, it's weird with melee, too, because you can't just punch in melee. You have to try to punch a specific target, which means that the minimum penalty for trying to punch someone is minus 10%. Oh, yeah, it is a... it's. It's a system that has hit locations, uh-huh. but then they divided it up to, if you're doing melee, you have to pick a place to hit, and there is no minus zero, like this is the standard. Everything has a negative. Yeah, so if you have a 60% chance to punch someone, your best chance to punch them is 50%. And then they changed it for shooting. You still have hit locations, but now, after you hit, then you randomly determine where you hit with it, unless you want to take, essentially, a doubled the normal penalty to try and hit with a called shot. So yes. if you're like, all right, the chest is normally minus 10 if you're doing melee because it's, you know, main center body mass. Uh, but if you try and shoot called shot to the chest, it's minus 20 to hit. Yeah. So it's easier to just shoot at a guy and hope you roll like a one and shoot him in the head than it is to actually try and go for center mass. That is correct. Yeah, it's uh, it's got some weird design issues to it. It also has an overcomplicated wound mechanic system. Yeah, because it's all shock points. Like, yes. You'll take wounds, and those wounds turn into shock, and that shock has a threshold, and if you get to that threshold, you just pass out or die. But you may also just die from your wounds, because you can get too many wounds and eventually hit a point where your penalties are so great that you might just bleed out and die. Yep. So you have multiple methods on a single, progressively worse chart of how you die. And everything does a ton of damage, so... Yeah. You're, you're very likely to die from a bullet if it hits you, which, you know, is realistic, but... Uh, well, that's part of the whole thing, is they're like, oh, people, if they get into a fight and some guy's got a gun, you better try your best to not piss him off, because he's going to kill you and leave your body in the gutter where you belong and in the city. Can I can I sum up this game real quick, John? Sure. All right, so this game is like if someone took a bunch of cyberpunk like thriller stories, like very short stories, like a copy of... Uh, William Gibson's Burning Chrome, for example, uh-huh. except way, way worse, and and split it out so there was just a whole bunch of separated bad short stories, and then in between them packed in pointless detail about parts of the city or terrible rules. Yeah. And that's it. There are so many short stories in this book, and every one of them is the worst. Every one of them is, there's a horrible, grimy place. A cool murderer came there and did a rad murder. <laughs> then he left. No one knew his name because he was a cool murderer. Yeah, the the fact that literally every single part of this book, it's not just chapters. No. Like, that's a thing in RPGs where it's, oh, we started a new chapter, we've got some fiction. But yeah. it's, 
in the chapter talking, well, chapter, it's like 70 pages, but in the, the part that talks about the different sections of the city, every single section has like a half a page story intro to it. Yes, and all the stories are that. They're either that or there are some person who is approving of murder. So it'll be like, the old man worked in his garden. He was a really good gardener. Maybe the best there ever was. A woman came up to him and she said, we need some intruders got in here and we aren't sure what to do with them. And he says, kill them. And then he goes back to gardening. <laughs> Later on, he'll fuck. But right now, he's the gardener. Yeah, the all of the stories, save for very very few are oh there's some guy and he's badass and you're like okay great or uh oh, here's the human condition these people live in the dirt and then they they gotta take what they can and okay great again whatever well the problem is that there's a million short stories in this book and i can think of maybe one or two of the stories i read that i could feel like a, a, a way to translate into gameplay for example, we talked about this one just earlier today. It's one of my favorite stories in the book because it's so bad. And it's, okay, two guys are walking near a huge heat exchanger for a giant engine that powers the entire like city or whatever, right? Uh, one of them goes, wow, that thing sure does seem hot. And the other one's like, yeah, it's the heat exchanger. It's really important because if without this thing, it'll like break down and the city will be all fucked up. And the first one says, that's very interesting. And then he just throws the other guy down into it. Yeah. The first guy was like, hey, let me show you this machine. Shows him the machine, and then throws him into it. And that guy get, dies. We get a gross description of that guy melting because yeah. he's standing on a hot machine. So chunks of him are falling and burning off, and he manages to throw himself off the edge of the, the machine and pit, fall down into oblivion. And then the first guy walks away. Yeah. No one knew his name. It's it's so so useless. But as the PCs, or as a game runner, what are you supposed to do with this information? You've now learned that the machine, that this one machine in this one part of city is very hot. I guess that's some information. But are we supposed to, like, chase down that nameless murder man? Or No, are, because this entire city is nameless murder men. So what's what's the point? I mean, it's just, it's all atmosphere. It's all uh, fog machine, and there's no dance floor, I think is the best way for me to think of this game. <laughs> the I mean, the way I think of it is the the writer was really trying to go for that, like, cyberpunk yeah uh, because there are macro corps instead of mega corps yeah so macro cores and they are the people who are like oh we've i don't know how in this post-apocalyptic thing but we've managed to become super wealthy and we've got all the tech and whatnot and then you've got everyone else just lives in just shit slums absolute the, the lot of them yes in varying shades because most of the city is gross slums and so Whoever wrote this just strongly delighted in writing about different types of gross slums. Yeah, it's weird because the the section of the book that goes through the, this is this section of the city and this is that. I mean, occasionally you have like, oh, this is a shopping district or this is where the wealthy people live. But probably a good 75% is, this is a slum. This slum is notable because it is a tall building. This slum is noticeable because it has a mountain in it. And you're like, oh, okay, but it's all just grimy people living in slums yeah, it's that's all, it it's all just pathetic people toiling away which you know is fine it's part of the cyberpunk future i mean certainly you could easily take this book and draw comparisons to it from it to Shadowrun, for example yeah where you're like oh there's mega corporations they hire the dirt people who live below to do their dumb kind of uh, corporate assassinations and kidnappings and what have you 
Uh, and that sort of thing happens in this book. The problem is that's as far as the extension goes because there's all these other things that make Shadowrun super interesting, right? So, for example, races you can play as because of the big, uh, whatever they called it, the genetic shift where like orcs yeah. and stuff were born. There's a special word for it in Shadowrun that's escaping me. Um, but does this book have other races? No, not that you can be. Okay, well, in Shadowrun, you can play as a cool like street samurai who's all chromed up and has like a metal arm and and like cyber eyes, and he can and he swings a mono edged filament super katana. And can you play as a cyborg in this? No, there okay. is there is nothing that is that cool. Okay, well, in, in Shadowrun, you can play as like a, a street shaman who's connected to the spirits that have arisen since the world crashed, and like choose a cool totem for yourself and cast beam spells and. And do all kinds of cool magic effects and become like a cool street wizard. And uh, does this game have any like magic in it? No, there is no magic or psionics. So, so what you can do, what you can play as, is a dude who's grimy and maybe has a knife. <laughs> like, <laughs> like true. you do. There's not even farming. You can't even be a shit farmer. You're just a shit sleeper. You sit and you fucking filth and that is your life yeah you hope some money comes your way and that you don't get killed by a frankenstein or whatever and that's that's your entire life and that's all it is and if you're rich then you just play a rich person who and it's oh it's even harder let me tell you because oh political intrigue oh my gosh because the rat race is so difficult that's what i mean they keep telling you like oh if you want to work in a megacorp or a, i'm sorry a macro corporation it's a huge stressful job and it's almost impossible and eventually you'll fall in amongst the filth and die yeah it what's hilarious to me is that this book has an hp or sorry the xp mechanics to it yes has a special xp mechanic for instilling hope in the world yeah which is one of the weird things to me is i'm looking at this setting going like oh you made the most relentlessly dark and just terrible place to live yeah you made it so you can't escape there's no real way to improve it because it's not like you could go oh i know let's Start like a farming collective or what? No, there's no place to do that. Yeah. So all you can do is try and scrabble out some existence for yourself unless you managed to get into a macro corp because they're the only ones that can do anything because they're mm -hmm. the only ones with power. But then if you do, the book is either, oh, you're super corrupt and you help destroy the city or you have some sort of like trying to help people thing for you and then you'll get shoved into the muck with the rest of them. And you're like... What is the goal as a player here? What am I trying to accomplish aside from scrabbling existence? I mean, the things that disappoint me in this book are there's a lot of cool ideas. Like, you know, like we were talking about earlier with the uh, the fact that you can't leave the city because there's some intrigue. But it's not, it's not really an interesting mystery or anything that has to do with the plot. It's just a way to force people to play in the sandbox that the guy created. Well, yeah. I mean, to go back to Dark City, the whole thing of, yeah, there's no way out of the city and... Like, there's a couple people who went crazy because they're like, oh, if you sit on the, the train, you just do circles, mm -hmm. and there's no way out, and, like, only a few people realize it, and this whole conspiracy thing would be rad, like, if the whole you can't leave the city was a conspiracy by the macro corps, and they're like, oh, yeah, we have lasers that shoot anyone who goes outside, and they just believe that you can't. Yeah. Then I'd be like, oh, that's that's kind of rad. That gives an end game goal. Yeah, but the macro corps are just as in the dark as everyone else, and it's told and, and that's told to you. Yeah. So okay, let's talk about a few of the elements that make the city unique. Let's start with uh, okay. First, the city is a huge circle, and it's got a dome over it and whatever. And, and the circle is made up of canals. So the canals are a really important part of the city. There's a whole bunch of water moving through the city, and of course, except for a couple of key points where rich people live, it's described as foul, gross 
depthless, nasty, shitty water that no one should drink, but everyone has to drink it, even though they don't want to. Oh, yeah. And everyone just shits in it all the time, and people are fucking in it, even though they shouldn't be. <laughs> like, the all of the canals, except for basically one, which is the canal for water, uh-huh. is like, what's in this? Oh, it's just garbage that's been dumped here, or it's runoff from mining, or this is where everyone shits. It's like... Okay, great. So all the water in the city, except for like one thing, is just poison. Yeah, but don't worry. There's 40 canals in the city, and you're going to get 40 short stories about them. Yeah, and this is where I started to get really annoyed at the book as well when it went into the canal system, because I was like, this is a uh, this is a very closed system that you are using. So the more they fuck up this water, the less there is to use because it's not like water is coming in from the outland. Like they don't have clean water does come from somewhere. There are points where clean water is poured into the city. There's even little short stories about where it comes from and stuff, but it's mysterious. It's just yeah. this is the spot where clean water comes in. They're like, "Oh, and this is this is it. That that's what you get." And then the food growing is just people have some hydroponic bays. Yeah, and they eat dogs and rats. Yeah. And again, and the eating dogs thing is mostly just for the, oh, look how terrible it is here. You know what the main farm source is? Dogs. You have to eat man's best friend. Isn't that brutal? They actually do use the phrase, you have to suck it up and eat man's best friend. Yes. It's just, it's, it's, it's edgelord nonsense. It's, it's the, it's, the whole book is a big ass eye roll. <laughs> yes. The whole book is someone's 16-year-old edgelord game that he was like, you have to stay in my city. You can't leave. Yeah. I, I, so other things that are unique about the city. Uh, in addition to most people getting around either by canal or by a very well-maintained train system, Yeah, uh, there are what are called plans. So plan is a real word. I don't know if you knew that one off the top of your head, I John. I did not. Yeah, so plan, which in this, ship, or this book might as well be hovercraft. Yes. Uh, they're basically racing hovercraft, and that's... Almost true. They're yeah, called- I mean, if you've ever played Hydro Thunder, that's basically what these are. <laughs> it's not true. They fly above water. Hydro Thunder! So an Akranoplan is kind of the Russian term for a wing ship, which is what's also known as a ground effect vehicle. It's a ship that uses big, heavy engines to launch itself into the air, but once it gets in the air, it uses a series of smaller engines to force so much air under itself that it increases the air pressure down there enough for it to ride on top of it with a minimal amount of lift. So they can't get very far off the ground, and they're not amazingly fast, but they can carry a tremendous amount of weight uh, once they get up in the air for huge distances because they don't use a whole lot of fuel to do what they're doing. Uh, these were a thing that we they st- people still make them from time to time. I'm an airplane nerd, so yeah. Um, so people still make these things from time to time as like hobby ships and stuff. Russia tried to do a whole thing with these. They were like, "Oh, we're going to build like military ones and shit," and it never really worked. Nope. There's a couple of them that existed. There's a few that still exist in museums, but it just never really took off the way they were hoping. <laughs> took off. <laughs> but in this book, in this book, they turn into, a, they literally look like the ships from Hydro Thunder. Yes, they they literally are just, what is this? Uh, it's just fucking wave thunder nonsense. It, it, well, it looks like any number of hover uh, racing games you would buy on the PlayStation 2. Yeah, man. Where you'd be like, yeah, choose between the blue super hover one and the one that's got two boobs and it's green. <laughs> two boobs and it's green. Booms. Oh, thank you. I was like, two boobs? What the <laughs> fuck game are you playing? Booms with an M. Just like how a P-38 has two booms. <laughs> thank you and good night, airplane listeners. Uh. I, so, <laughs> but uh, but I, I, they're all just like, you know, like hover race cars. The sort of thing you'd play on a PlayStation 2 and for some reason it had uh, Dragula on the soundtrack. 
yeah, the the weird thing to me is this is the main sport in the city. The Crown Plan racing, yeah. People doing these racings in the canals. And the actual like hover ship things that they have, these Acrino plans, are like twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars, and the average weekly income is five dollars. Yes, and that's pounds, by the way. Well, five pounds. Because yes, this is pounds and shillings and whatnot. There's a whole matrix chart that you get to roll on for how many pounds sterling you start the game with. Yes. <laughs> but the the fact that the only people who could do these are pretty much macro core backed people. Yes. Means that this shouldn't be the main sport. Like the main sport really should be something that you can just play. Soccer. Why isn't it football? It's 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 made of Scotland. Well, I mean, I think they're going, oh, there's not enough room to do that. But there's room to race giant fucking hover ships around. Oh, yeah, because it's just the canals. Yeah. But I'm thinking, dude, if you're in some slum, there is definitely a version of soccer or baseball or something that's like, what do you need? A thing that you can hit. Yeah. That's it. That's all you need. Because otherwise, like, your average person isn't going to be able to be like, oh, sweet, I, I want to play Ekrano plan racing? No, you can't. You can't even really start as one. You can start as an ex-Ekrano plan racer if you want. Yeah, because they're all like young kids or whatever. So oh, no, it's... no, you're mixing them up with Mike. Oh, fighters. I'm, I'm. Yes, I am thinking of the Mike fighters. So we're whatever. gonna we'll, we'll go to them next. So Ekrano plans are a thing that exists. They're the big sport in the city. Yeah. Uh, Mike fighters are little fighter airplanes that they're they're not wing effect. They just they're actually little flying airplanes. Yeah. That go zipping around the city doing corporate business. They they uh they blow each other up and they they shoot down stuff off towers and try to assassinate people and so on. Uh they are the end result of decades and and centuries of airplane design where people decide the most important thing about airplane design was to keep reducing weight, which is stupid. Uh and eventually they decide the best way to reduce weight is to put 10-year-olds in these things. Yeah, so the uh, if you're an ex Mike fighter, it's because you're like 15 years old. Yes, you've you've aged out by getting by hitting puberty. So people between the ages of six through ten are zipping around in the sky above the city at all times, killing each other and like corporate interests and stuff because they are kids who are Mike fighter pilots. Yep. Now just keep in mind that the average airplane weighs like average military airplane weighs like dozens of tons, and, <laughs> and the weight of a human on it is fucking negligible. Yes. The, the human on an A-10, for example, weighs like less than a hundredth of what the bullets the plane carries weigh. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't matter in this because this is weird tech. Well, like, it's it's all about the, the grim and gritty reality that they make their children into war machines. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just amazing to me that I know if this had come out after Snowpiercer, then you'd have kids in those trains doing shit too. Oh, yeah, of course. You straight up would have the Snowpiercer like kids stuck in the engine for for their entire lives just doing one little thing yeah so <laughs> the the whole city is that even when you get to a point where you're like oh here's a thing people do for fun no it isn't it's grim and disgusting yeah so mike fighters are definitely one of the things that make up the city uh another one is the only piece of technology or oh, the dingens or the dingens yeah them dingens dingens are described as basically a huge mechanical computer network they have an internet but it's a very arcane internet because every kind of ding in it is different. And so it takes someone called a flow ghost to understand the differences between different types of ding and information storage networks. So if you want to play as someone who's an internet guy, you are a flow ghost. Now, well, if you think that cool name means you get cool powers, no, you do not. The none of there's no classes or anything. So no. if you pick a uh, like, oh, this is 
my background. I'm a whatever. Uh-huh. It just gives you access to a few skills, and then you get uh, – it changes what your starting level of wealth will be because you roll a D10 and then compare it versus your starting wealth number. Mm-hmm. So even if you were like, oh, for a 1 to 10 on my starting wealth number, I had a 7. I'm real good. Yeah. Uh, I then rolled a 1, so it didn't matter, and I have no money. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Flow Ghost is just the name for hackers in this world. Yeah, the the computers in this are like mini version of punch card computers. That's their big thing. And they also do tape drive reading. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, what they did was they were like, all right, so instead of inventing electronic or RAM or ROM storage, uh, they, they invented more and more advanced and micro-sized versions of punch card and reel-to-reel tape storage. So they're like, oh, this computer uses a tape memory drive, but it uses nanotape that can read a million meters a second of nanotape. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it's basically like reading DNA-sized tape. And you're like, okay, great. Sure. So at a certain point, it becomes indistinguishable from from uh, you know a regular computer. Yeah, at some point, you're like, oh, I've got this dinging, and it's supposed to be the weird goofball throwback stuff, but it's just a handheld computer. Yes. So... So, uh, dingins. That's that's one of the two pieces of technology. The other one is the Lschive. <laughs> You'll have to forgive me for the pronunciation because I'm not Welsh, but it's the uh, it's their their special knife, like their nano knife. It's not even a nano knife. It's just really sharp. Just a real sharp knife. It's a real sharp six inch long knife with no e- with no blade point. It doesn't have a tip. It's a it's like a basically just a razor on a stick. Yeah. And it's spelled L-L-I-V-E in the books from Scotland, and the closest place with double L's is Wales, so it's probably supposed to be a little shive. Oh, probably just a shive. Probably just a live. Or, yeah, it could be a live or a live. Yeah, it's a live. I'm calling it a live. Fuck everyone. I don't know how to pronounce that Welsh double L. I know it's some kind of... Hold your tongue. Let's, let's both try it, John. Hold your tongue the way you would if you were making an L sound. Yeah. Okay, do that. Mm-hmm. Now now make... Now say shuh. Shuh. Yeah, there you go. So now say shive. shive. Yeah, a little shive. Shive. Shive, yeah. So that's what that is. Uh, it's a sharp knife with a dumb name. There you go. Um, does it do anything magic or interesting? No, it's just it's just a knife. It's just, and the reason that there's a magic or, or a good knife in this is because Lord knows there's a lot of short stories about murder. Yeah, the gun situation in the city is they're the only really available one that most people can get is a single-shot spark lock gun, which is just your standard I use propellant-type gun. Mm-hmm. And But they've all gone to, like, musket levels because it's all just single-shot nonsense. Yeah, so a spark lock, right? Yeah, a spark lock. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm up to speed then. And the macro corps, of course, have, like, little mini railgun-type yeah, yeah. And they, just, and they just tried to describe it as like a series of concentrically smaller magnets, which is accurate. That is that is certainly a part of what a railgun is. But you also need a propulsion source to make it so that the uh, thing goes through there instead of just shooting back out through the path of least resistance, which is the backside. Yeah. But I, I feel like they just kind of didn't bother with that half. Eh. <laughs> They're like, whatever. It's it's just, just magnets. Who cares? Fucking magnets. We don't know how they work. <laughs> fucking magnets. Do you think this book was written before or after? I didn't check. <laughs> before miracles. Before. <laughs> bm or pm john (laughs) that's that's what we are doing our world now is it before or after miracles uh 2001 yeah so so of course it's from 2001 pre-miracles yeah (laughs) whoever was writing this was absolutely definitely listening to baby's got an atom bomb on repeat (laughs) uh yeah so the 
tech for everyone who isn't in a ridiculous macro corp is just you can get a knife or you can get a single-use gun and because basically no one else has those, even if you see someone with like a single-use gun, you're still like, oh shit, that guy's going to fuck me up. Yeah. Uh, you can also wear armor if you want, but you better get some hard plastic armor because soft armor doesn't do anything against melee attacks. <laughs> yeah, soft armor is just like, oh, what, did someone hit you with a club? Fuck you. It doesn't matter. It does nothing. It's useful against, uh, what, bullets and, like... Cuts. Cuts. That, yeah, it was like slicing attacks. Yeah. That's all it's good for. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was an extra bit of realism. Also, it takes forever to heal. Yeah. Well, it's one shock point per week unless yeah. you have, like an actual hospital attending to you, mm-hmm. but that doesn't exist for most people. Yeah. Because you live in a grimy shit stain. So let's go through the process of character creation, shall we? Yep. So you got a bunch of stats. Yeah, you have about nine, eight or nine stats. You they're, got eight stats. They're very similar to White Wolf stats. I have the book here if you want if you were yeah. looking for it. Well it's your strength and your agility, your perception, awareness, willpower, yes. all that nonsense. Very generic stats. And you have uh I think it's 500 points to spend amongst them, and I think the... Uh, the 360. The, 360, thank you. So the end result is you should have 45 in each if you build a perfectly average character. Yeah, so the the average person should have a 45 in everything, mm-hmm. which means uh, the average person has a greater than 50% chance of failing at anything they do. Literally anything they do, they are more than likely to fail. This is... Uh, yeah, so... It's like Charles Bukowski's America. <laughs> the... Weird thing with that is you do get a little bit more based on your background. Uh, whatever your background is will give you a plus 10% to one thing. Yes. So it'll be like, oh, I come from whatever the main working class is. The so, drudge. Yeah, I get, I'm get. i from the drudge, and so oh, that means shit, I'm plus 10% to my strength. You can't stop the drudge. They're pure energy. <laughs> this joke will be gotten by people who have seen Titan AE recently. <laughs> Welcome to a weird joke. Hey, folks, everyone who didn't see Titan AE recently, go ahead and turn this off. This everyone who didn't see Titan AE, leave the room. No, just recently. Because you will have forgotten about the dredge if you saw it five, ten years ago. So people who saw Titan AE last year, this this part of the podcast is just for you. It's it's all for you. It's straight from God, all for you. Yeah, hey, folks who, who've uh, recently seen Titan AE, how you doing? How are you? Hey, remember that song, uh, Chemical Freeway from Titan AE? <laughs> Remember that? And then, like, uh, Cosmic Castaway was also... That was a pretty good song, right? And then, remember how Janine Garofalo played, like, a kangaroo... Angry kangaroo in that? Anyway, here we are. Hey, everybody else, you can come back now. It's fine, it's fine. This part isn't for for just Titan AE heads. Now, the points that you'd spend, if you wanted to get better than a 45 and everything, of course, you can lower some stats and make them better for others. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a one-to-one for your percentage until you hit 70. For any any of the 70s... I thought it was 60. Nope. Okay. Up to 70. Once you hit 70%, uh, to go to 70 or 70 through 79 is two times, so you have to spend two points for one percentage. So, for example, if your character, if you want to have a 70-point strength, it will cost you 71 points. Yeah. And once you get up to 80, then it starts costing three times, and mm-hmm. if you want a 90, then it's four times per. Yeah. Now, keep in mind that 45 is the human average. 
So on a- your character starts the game with 100% average stats. If you build an average character, you can give yourself highs and lows, but you are not an above average person. You have the exact same amount of stats as an average dude you meet on the street. Yeah. So this isn't a game about playing big damn heroes. It's about playing survivors. This is basically what you're getting from that. Now, or the designer didn't recognize the difference <laughs> between, yeah. you know, oh, well, obviously you should be playing as the median when you start the game because... Because uh, it's the medium, it's the, it's the middle. That's that's where you. That's normal. That, that's good. That's that's normal to have a at least a forty five percent chance to succeed at everything. <laughs> the that's uh, fun. Now, what you can do is use the advantage disadvantage system to get a few more points. Mm-hmm. Uh, though a lot of them are weird, and I'm gonna go ahead and go into one in particular, which is the dumbest one, which is age. That is correct. Age in this book is an advantage-disadvantage, and it is uh, it is very important in this game. Almost all of the sample PCs have varying ages that, that matter. So the baseline for what you should be is uh, 26 to 35 yes. in age. Mm-hmm. That gives you a plus zero to both your attributes and skills. Yes, you start with the standard 360 and 500 points each of stats and skills, respectively. Now, as you go up in age... Uh, you start losing uh, your ability points, but you gain more skill points. So you get a little weaker because you got older, but you know more things because you've been around longer. That yes, makes sense. That's fine. Now, if you go down to 18 to 25, you get a few more ability points, but you lose skill points. Yes. At 18 to 25, you get plus 40 uh, ability or attribute points and minus 50 skill points. So you start with uh, 400 attribute and 450 skill. Yeah. Now, that's fine. But it also has options to go to 13 to 17 or 5 to 12, and these are just negatives to both. Yes. Like if I'm a 12-year-old kid. Like a Mike fighter pilot, for example. I have minus 150 to my attributes and minus 200 to my skills. Which means that the people that they are putting in the jet fighters zipping above the city all the time have 210 points out of a starting 360 points to spend on their attributes, including their oh, I don't know, uh, perception and agility and hand-eye coordination. Yep. All of that shit is ridiculous to me. Like, I understand that you have, like, oh, kids shouldn't be as good as adults for how strong they are or how much they know. Sure, great. But in an advantage-disadvantage system, you don't get anything. If you become a 12-year-old, you're just fucked for no reason. That's true. We're describing what should be a disadvantage where it's like, ah, but you get plus whatever's for this. But yeah, normally you would think, oh, I've, I made a 12-year-old, so what actually happens is uh, I lose you know, 10% off of my strength and my health and whatever, but I gain it to agility or hand-eye coordination or I get it to personality because ki- people like kids or whatever it happens to be. Or you get a be. mysterious bonus where people won't hurt you because you're a kid or something. Yeah, but instead it's just, no, you straight up lose like... 300 and 400 points because, meh, fuck it. So the question, I guess, is what's the right way to fix this problem? Is the right way, I mean, honestly, the right way is don't make kids into player characters and don't use a system where you have to use the exact same engine to design your NPCs that you do your PCs. Oh, yeah. Because when you meet a fucking six-year-old in the world of this game, you're not going to be like, "Uh uh-huh, how many willpower points does he have? Yeah, the, I mean, the thing with this is the 18... Up through whatever, like there are various systems for you gain either more attributes or more skills. That's fine. That's a fine trade-off to go, all right, what I really wanted was more skills or what I really wanted to be was better attribute-wise. 
you can kind of play with that with this system. But as soon as you get to that below 18 and it's just straight penalties to everything, there's no reason for it to exist in the book because literally no one is going to take that. The other question it leaves me with is, what happens, for example, on my 26th birthday? <laughs> like, if you're playing a character who starts at 25, so he gets the minus 40, uh, or minus 50 skills and, mi- and plus 40 stat, yeah, and then... You know, three days later, it is his birthday. Indeed, he is 26. What Does he suddenly get, like, hilariously weaker but more knowledgeable at the exact same time? <laughs> the book doesn't have any rules for that. It doesn't say, like, hey, you can start playing this game as a kid if you want. I But we assume here at, at A-State Industries that you'll definitely die, so don't worry oh, about it. Yeah, you're not going to have a birthday. Don't you worry. Yeah, birthdays have been outlawed by the macro corporations. <laughs> uh... You are assigned an age at birth, and that is your age for your life. <laughs> yeah, the age you are assigned is how strong or intelligent you are. <laughs> Man, you look kind of old for seven. <laughs> yeah, I know, but they don't reissue IDs. So well, I've been seven my whole life. <laughs> Incidentally, would you like to play some tag? <laughs> yeah, the I mean, the rest of them are all things like, oh, you have a physical disadvantage or a physical advantage. It's all basic stuff you've seen. You have a foe. Oh, great. Fuck, fuck that if they give you a foe. Oh, yeah. No, it's... It is the standard disadvantage shit of, yeah. like, you can spend points and have a contact, or you can gain points because you have a foe. All right, sure. Man, I would lose some points for a bowl of pho. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you got some pho. <laughs> That's a great advantage. It, oh, wait a minute. Is it's it made immediately with, gone. Is it made with dog? Uh, yeah, it's it's dog pho, and it is made from shitty sewer water. Shitty sewer dog. There you go. <laughs> eat that, you scum. Oh, you piece of shit. All the pieces of shit in this city eat dog fun until someone throws them on an engine or blows them up on the side of a train. <laughs> yeah, the the next thing you get is your origin. The origin is pretty much how wealthy your background is. That's all that matters. That's pretty much all it is. It, it, it's supposed to be like, what part of the city are you from? But since you don't remember... Because the book is just an unrelenting parade of grim, dumb locations. Am I from Dream Spires? Am I from Foggin' Hatch? Am I from the Burning Lands? Am I Contested Grounds? What am I from? Am I from Fog Hat? <laughs> yeah. Am I from Captain Beefheart? Am I from the Doobie Brothers? <laughs> uh, so you get a whole bunch of options that range from being the Dispossessed, which is just... You are completely homeless and destitute, and you have nothing, and you suck. Yeah. To all the way up to uh, being high corporate. Yeah. So you are descended from one of like the VPs, the CEOs, things like that. Now and this this is one of those amusing things where oh sorry go ahead no, no, no please the, do the main thing with please, this John. is please all of these origins have a plus ten to one of your stats. Mm-hmm. So like I was saying, if you're a drudge, you're working class, you get a plus ten to strength because you're a working man. Yeah. And if you're in, uh, like, one of the lower class ones, you'll get a plus 10 to awareness because you've got to be aware of your surroundings because anyone could try and steal your homeless stuff. <laughs> they got my beans. <laughs> they done took them. They took my newspaper and my beard dirt. <laughs> uh, so all of the different ones have a plus 10 to something, except for high corporate. High corporate Gives you a plus 10 to health and plus 10 to perception. That is correct. There is no limitation to what you can pick for origin, which means there is literally no reason for everyone who plays not to just be high corporate because you get an extra 10% to health. And a huge wealth bonus. Now, 
Actually, no. You don't get any wealth from that. That's from your... Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Whatever your uh, upbringing is. Yeah. But it does... Uh, each of the origins gives you a list of different skills. Mm-hmm. You get 40 skill points to put into them. You can't put more than 20 into one of them. That is correct. So you could have two of the skills at plus 20% or have you know four of them at plus 10 or whatever. Sure. Whatever you want to do. Uh, so you might go, oh, but the ones you can get from the uh, the high corporate... That's actually like, you know, scientific or academic or diplomacy, shit like that. And I want to be a punch guy. Except when you go to upbringing and you look at all of them have a different wealth score. Yeah. One of them you can be, and it it says what it's available to for different uh, of your origins. Mm -hmm. One that is available to all and has a wealth score between one and nine is criminal. Yeah. And criminal allows you to have things like shooting guns and punching people as its skills. Yeah, so there's nothing stopping you from playing a super high court assassin, which is fine because that's the star of like half the short stories anyway. Oh, yeah. A mysterious man in a purple suit who kills people with a knife easily and then looks cool. Yeah, the the fact that you can just go ahead and say, hey, I I made a criminal and he's he's just a dude and he uh, he's got a nine wealth and he's high corporate and he's got a lot of money and i don't give a fuck about this city at all <laughs> well you know in my in, in the city's defense it's it's this isn't a city really no, no it's, it's, the it's, city. it's a goddamned arms race oh <laughs> uh, well if you're high corporate it I, is that's a scene isn't it it's not yeah. a city in the song no it is whatever not. no one knows what that line is i do i know <laughs> I know the Fallout Boy lyrics that are actually the lyrics. Well, you don't know about how it's a little man and he's also evil. <laughs> he also, also eats your cat. Also eats your cat. <laughs> uh, yeah. The And then once you've done that, you get your skill points into whatever. And again, it's a one-to-one for skill points. Yeah. Now, uh, let me also say, all right, of, I'll course I, of course I counted. Go ahead, John. There are 110 skills, mm-hmm. not including sub-skills. Uh, that is correct. So several skills have sub-skills. Now, I also did my going into skills and looking at the thing and skills I give a shit about, and I have to give this book a pass. Uh, seduction is nothing more than a sub-skill for, uh, I-, I think it's called, like, influence or something. Yeah. It's just a skill that you can use to uh, make people do what you want, and it-, it splits into two types of sub-skills, one of which is seduction, and it just says, get what you want through seduction. There you go. It's it's not offensive. The book doesn't have any gender issues beyond the fact that all the women you see in it are you know, all the men you see in this are bald bruisers in power armor with knives, and all the women are, like, dressed in ball gowns that have slits down to their navels. <laughs> so, aside from the sexist art, which it's hard to even find the art, it's like saying that pictures of Eris are super sexist. Oh, huh. look at Eris in her rectangle bikini. Gross. Huh. This is so sexist of Final Fantasy VII. Because all the pictures in this are just, you know... Yeah, just crappy Just poser crappy art. poser. It's, it's hard to be offended by it. The... <laughs> The skills are interesting-ish. I mean, when you first see it, you're like, oh, dude, you get 500 skill points. You're like, damn, that's a lot. Yeah. But then when you see that there are 110 skills plus sub-skills, you're like, all right, so I guess I have to focus on one thing. Uh, You are affected by your stats, but very barely. Yeah, it's like a minimum. It is uh, whatever the stat that controls the skill is. So let's say you've got a skill in, you know, climbing and it goes off a of strength. Yeah. Okay. You take 
a 10% of whatever your stat is, and that's what you add onto the skill. That's correct. So if I have a 60 strength, I get to add 6% to my uh, climbing skill. Or Deeply disappointing. And skills work, they're just percentile roll-unders. So, for example, if you were like, I have a skill in dingin' using. I'll roll my dingin' using skill of 50%. <laughs> do I use the dingin'? Oh, I rolled a 52. I do not use dangin'. the dingin'. <laughs> Dangin' Rompa. I need to do these Rompas. <laughs> I'm going to use my dingin' for these Rompas. Uh, the the weird thing for this, though, comes in when you start looking at contested rolls. So anytime, yeah, it is weird. Yeah, both combat and just regular contested rolls, instead of it being a, like, I have to roll to see if I succeed and then you roll to defend or whoever gets the best success, it is whoever succeeded by the most or... Failed by the least. That's correct. So, in an opposed role, if one of you succeeds and the other one fails, then the person who succeeded wins. If one of you succeeds and the other one succeeds, it's who rolled the furthest distance between their threshold for success and their role. Yes. And it's the same thing for if they failed. So, let's say, for example, that I want to punch John, and he wants to punch me. At the, or it's, just, it's an arm wrestle. John and I are in arm wrestling. I have an 80 strength, and John has a 40 strength, right? Indeed. Okay, so here's... This is an interesting thing, because... Let's both roll. I roll an, a, under an 80. I roll a 75. John rolls uh, a 45. So I succeed because I succeeded and he failed. Uh, in this, let's say I roll a, a uh, 82 and John rolls a 46. He wins. Uh, even though I rolled a way higher number, he wins because the distance between his, high, his roll and his value for succeeding is higher than the distance between my roll and my value for succeeding. Well, actually, if you rolled an 82 and I rolled a 46, you would still win because you're two away from an 80 and I'm six away from my 40. You're right. I'm backing up on how uh, how I've got my failure. I've got, I'm have got i doing over instead of under. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. But what the thing that, that matters, though, is let's say John has a... a uh, it means that you can have interesting victories and penalties or failures, effectively. Yeah. Well, it just But it's means... also possible that someone succeeds even when no one rolls a success. Yeah. It's it's weird because it means even if two people are completely incompetent, one of them will succeed no matter what. Yeah, because the other one has to fail because it's grim and gritty. And in order to... Even when you fail, you have to grind someone else's face further into the muck. Yeah. It's, it's a very strange system that even on failures shit still happens for these people yeah and i i mean i guess it's you failed so hard that like oh i was trying to dodge and i failed and you failed to stab me because you were gonna swing wide but i failed to dodge so hard i then dodged into your knife so this is the thing I, there's a sample character that they build as they're pushing their way through here a guy named and i'm, I'm gonna go to, his name is dur <laughs> detron <laughs> so yeah, Der, Der, Detra und Bebe. I think that's his full title. Yeah. So, God, that is a that is a poll. <laughs> no one knows what that is. No one remembers 1982's Der, Der. No one Der, remembers 1982 at all. French chart topper uh, techno hit sung by a two-year-old, Jordi, Der, Der, Detra und Bebe. <laughs> uh. Also showed up in the post credit scene for Home Alone 3. There you go. Now, uh, you, Now you, the listener, know. Yeah, you guys are learning so many interesting things today. Yeah. Go ahead and look up Dur Dur Detro and Bebe and, and realize that a lot of people liked that song. <laughs> Dur Dur Detro and Bebe. Yeah, well, I mean, fucking Crazy Frog was a chart topper, so I think the 
That's just a, uh, you know what? It's just a blight on the goddamn UK, is what it is. Yeah, it's just Europe. Europe in general can eat a dick. When it comes to music, that's true. You and your shit music, except, get out of here. Except for the unbelievably cool, whatever that Euro Festival music thing is every year. That thing's fucking rad. Oh, Oktoberfest, yeah. Oktoberfest. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, the, the the highlight of all European music throughout the, ho- the course of history is, of course, the steamed chicken dance. Of of course. Yes, I, I think we all agree on that. Because when I think of good dancing, I always first think of German people. Obviously. Of, yeah, the crisp perfection of the engineering of the German dance. Yeah, that that precise movements. Unforgiving perfectionism in every joint as they as they do the chicken dance like no other. Yeah, those dances where they slap their legs and then hit their arms. It's good times. Yeah, well, I don't, you can't even tell what we're making fun of at this point. Morris dancing? Uh, Morris dancing, of course. There we go. I've also kind of forgotten of where we were or what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was talking about Durr. Yeah. Durr, the character that they made in the book. Durr has, uh, you know, like 30 skills. None of them are higher than 60%. So when Durr starts his life, he has no, no stat higher than 60 and no skill higher than 60. His best skill is mechanics. He's a pretty good mechanic with 60% to mechanics. Even though he put points into mechanics with his 40 skill points, and then his other 40 skill points, and then his 500 skill points, and even though it's the number one thing in his life that he does, he doesn't even bother going up to when it gets more expensive at 70%. Yeah, he didn't even take it to, like, 69. Nice. Yeah, he doesn't even get to the sex number. No. The nice sex number. (laughs) Yeah, man. So... I don't understand if, like, the designers didn't realize how terrible of a character that would be to play. Where, like, his pistol skill is at 20% and his punching skill is at 30%, which means his best possible chance to punch someone is 20%. Oh, yeah. And the, I mean, in case you uh, thought that shooting was just going to be way more accurate because with all of the melee, you have to choose a place and then you get a negative based on where you're trying to hit. With shooting, if you are not at just close range... You start getting increasing penalties, which mm-hmm. start at, like, minus 20%. Yeah, so shooting's actually less accurate, even and, though it doesn't have that weird problem. And there's an entire chart of other penalties. So, yes. were you walking while shooting? Okay, well, that's a minus 10 right there. That's a paddling. Yeah. Th- is it even remotely dark? Is it hazy? Is there smoke? Is is the ground not completely dry? Well, guess what? Because that's true of every single place in the city. Oh, yeah. Every single place in the city is coated with grime. It's like just full of smog and people are always running which means if you try and shoot someone you're gonna be probably at least like a minus 30 percent so why are you starting with 30 with a 20 percent pistol score you're never gonna successfully shoot anybody how is that a fun design because <laughs> you're really hoping that the other guy fails worse than you do on his role it's not a contested role to shoot someone <laughs> it's I, I don't it's just I mean, it's like the, the designers didn't think about how this character was going to look in play. No. They, they effectively gave him a 0% chance to hurt other people. Oh, yeah. Which is fine if the whole point of the game is, you know, it's not a game about combat. The game is about inspiring hope in the, in the downtrodden masses. Durr here is just going to go wandering from place to place, seeing the dingy sights and avoiding the weird murderers. Yeah, he's just going to use his mechanic skill to very occasionally help someone. <laughs> But what? what? I mean, with all the, the impetus that this game puts into its combat mechanic, I mean, it's the only mechanic. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's just real weird. Yeah, the only other thing to know about uh, combat is it does have the armor value and penetration value for things. Yes, and it ends up being a huge list of weapons that have like 12 numbers assigned to each one of them that tell you a million things about the weapon. And all the melee weapons, if they have blades, they've got a slash in them because it's 
what their penetration is if they try and stab versus slash. Yeah. You have to figure out their penetration, by the way, by measuring from the bottom, not the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> high school wiener jokes. <laughs> the the freshest high school wiener jokes brought to you by an old ass man. <laughs> oh man, this old ass man really needs to get rid get away from those high school wieners. <laughs> the the weird Oh, I'm just an old ass man. <laughs> I'm an old ass man. Don't you pay no attention Wee- to ba- me ba- now. <laughs> I'm going to sing you some of the Delta ass. The I mean <sighs> The problem I have with this as well, with those slash penetration numbers, is there's no penalty to stabbing versus slashing, which means whichever has the greater penetration is just what you're doing. Yeah, because there's, uh, penetration works the same on every armor as well. Yeah, because you're just like, oh, this one's got a 10 slash 20. Well, I guess I'm slashing with it instead of stabbing. Yeah. Oh, this it, one's it, got a 15 slash 5. It, I guess I stab with it. It only matters for if people are wearing the soft armor uh, that is resistant to slashing damage. Then, yeah. Then you choose the penetrating one. But... Yeah, okay, so there's one last thing I think we should talk about before we get into favorites and least favorites, and that is the shifted, the one element of this game that it has any kind of interesting supernatural sci-fi element to it. And you know, there's like five different types of these shifted, and each of them get maybe a paragraph, and then it moves on so it can spend more time talking about its crap city. There's no there's no stats for them or anything like that. No. Uh, so though there there's these monsters that sort of sort of exist and sort of don't exist. They're like probably from a parallel dimension or whatever. There are five kinds, and each one of them is just sort of a generic horror movie ghost thing. Yeah. So there's the like the druga, which is like D R U G H E. Yeah, it's a druga. And Droya. Uh, they are ghosts. They can possess people and make them do stuff, and they basically have no other thing that they do like if you see them they're just shimmering outlines and then if they possess someone if you like kill the guy you'll see a little ghost thing flit away from them that's correct yeah and then you've got the simul uh the simul are the most popular john's looking for the grabbing the book oh, right yeah, now because but- those, those are the only two names i remember yeah because those are the only ones we remember i was gonna say you could probably just write the rest of them off as just generic gibbering monsters but the simul are uh all metal kind of framework robots that are actually sort of approachable and, and not friendly exactly, but not directly aggressive or mean. Yeah, they'll but, they'll work for people. That's correct. But they'll work for weird things. They're like, I will work for you for a picture of a boat. Yeah, there's like, what do you get paid in? I get paid in dolls. Yeah, so the thing that's that's creepy or special about them is that instead of a robot head, they each one of them has a fresh severed human head as its head. That is true. Yes. Yeah, and if there's no explanation of how they get the heads or if the heads decompose. But every one of them is just a like if a, a home exercise equipment system came to life and started wandering around with a severed head on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's uh, let's see the Hager. Hager are Hager are the mayors of uh, of the town. And, I mean, they're basically they're just huge muscle dudes. Yeah, uh, but they're like all pale and they're the only of the shifted that travel in packs and. Essentially, just think of them as hairless werewolves. Yes, they're hairless werewolves, and if they find you, they'll tear you apart. <laughs> they'll kick you apart. They'll <laughs> kick you apart. Ooh. We'll save children, but not the A-State <laughs> children. Uh, let's see. We've got the Lugner. The Lugner are short, fat little imp guys that whisper things in people's ears, and it's mostly just like, Oh, I whispered a thing that's like gossip, and now you're going to get angry at a dude. Yeah, they're basically the cockroaches from Bloom County. Got it. <laughs> uh, and then you have the Ooble. Ooble. The Ooble are the uh, 
like serial killers of yeah, the shifted. The, yeah, they're the serial killer ghosts that that are made. They are, they're like wood skeletons. Yeah, it's wood skeletons with like sinew and muscle pulled over it. So and, basically, Yoshimitsu from Tekken. And they run around with knives and murder people. And if you ever manage to capture one, they freak out and slam against the cage. And then if you're not looking, they disappear. Yes. Good. Just like Yoshimitsu from Tekken. Yeah, just like Yoshimitsu. Except called Oobles. Oobles. How would you see something that horrifying and give it that goofy ass of a name? Yeah. You're like, oh, it's a weird, like, wood skeleton man with exposed muscle and he wants to kill you. He killed everyone I know. His name is Ubble. I'm going to call him an Ubble. He's an Ubble. Oh, he's an Ubble. If you evolve him, he turns into an Ubello. (laughs) Oh, good. I've got a Thunderstone ready for him. Uh, So those are are the shifted. Those are all of them. That's That's all of them. No stats. No functional abilities to do anything in the game, just atmosphere. Like I was saying, this is a big old haunted house of a book, except instead of actors and chainsaws, it's just fog machines. Yep. It's just... God. It's it's boring, is what it is. It's super boring. This was hard to read. Yeah. Every time I would get, like, four pages done, I'd go, oh, I need to do something else real quick. Yep. that's That was kind of the problem. It's, it's uh, a tough one to just sit down and power through. Because you just find yourself reading the short stories. You're just like, all right, what's going on with you? Oh, it's a it's a knife fighter lady, and she does not like having to work with this rich lady. No, sir. Oh, she murdered her. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, by the by, the time you've read about the sixth slum in here, you're like, okay, I get it. Every time I would read at the top, because it would say, like, what is this? Uh, this is the, the Lesser Narrows. And then right below it, it'll tell you, like, this is Ring 6, Lot 5. A slum, and I go, okay, skipping, don't care. <laughs> yep. Another slum, no one gives a fuck. Oh, man. Uh, but that's so edgy, John. Think about it. That's how you are in life. Yeah. When you're, like, driving through a bad neighborhood, and you're like, ugh, another slum, who cares? I'm just going to pass through. Uh, that's you. That's that's. The, I hold up a mirror to the player. <laughs> hey, can we, uh, I like to roll to use my ding Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, but you can't, because look at this mirror. <laughs> Look how ugly you are on the inside. Okay, Jim. Well, yeah, I'm uh. also ugly on the outside. I don't care. <laughs> I'm ugly on all the sides. <laughs> Every side of me is ugly. Top, left, bottom, Except strange. Except the backside. Hey, <laughs> Booty got it going on. Oh, my God, John. What's your favorite thing about this game? Oh, fuck. Fuck <laughs> you. The, the best thing in a state is god damn it um <laughs> i it's so monotonous yeah i mean i'm gonna have to take the shifted because it's the only interesting thing in here like at least with that you go oh there's there's something weird happening in the city because yeah. otherwise it would just be a shit city and it sucks to be here at least with that you're like oh there's Something supernatural, so maybe there's a mystery you could try and do something with. Yeah, there's like some Clive Barker monsters. Yeah. It's basically what it is. Like, if you go somewhere and you're like, oh, I have to hire a robot, and it's got the head that looks exactly like my dead uncle, and it freaks me out. Like, that's that's some weird shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the only part of this book that's really got any interest to it is that there's like a whole bunch of hairless werewolves and Babadooks running around. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's there's all these... (laughs) Weird Babadooks running around being super gay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the fact that the Babadook has become a gay icon is the greatest thing. It is. It's. It certainly wasn't a good movie, so this is this is a great thing. It makes me real happy. <laughs> Which there's a lot of huge Babadook fans that are super mad at me right now. Oh, yeah, those huge Babadook fans. The Babadookians, they're known as. <laughs> the Baba O'Reilly Dukers. 
Them Dukers are going to get you. Them Duke boys. <laughs> Them Dukers are going to ook me in the Duker. <laughs> Uh, I played a little too much. Of well, the, I, I played a little tiny bit of Pandaria too. A little too much Pandaria. I played a little bit. I, that was right around when I stopped playing, pretty much. Uh, that Panda Man's. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and say the shifted. What about you? Uh, let's see. I think I'm. I I, I hate to do it because I hate when we pick the same thing for a game. But yeah, it's the shifted. They're the only part of this game that's interesting. I mean, I I, I would say the Crano plan just because it gives me a chance to dredge up a piece of obscure airplane history I know. Yeah, except it has nothing to do with the actual things in the book. No, it sure doesn't. The Crano plans are very different looking airplanes. Yes, these just look like PlayStation Two hover ships, and I am dead accurate with that and i know that's why they exist because this book came out around 2001 that means this guy was playing kinetica or some other like race game that was set in the near future on the playstation while he was writing it. he was like i'm gonna put these ships in there but you know what actual hover technology is fucking stupid what's the closest thing we've ever come to hover technology in the world wing ship ground effect fine that's what's in here then <laughs> uh there you go so uh so yeah uh the uh, fine i'll take the acrano plans there you are all right, what's the worst thing? Oh, I got to say the worst thing in this book has to be its actual method of getting information to you. Mm -hmm. The chapter with all of the information for this city is the exact same thing over and over again. It is a short story that takes place in whatever part of town. Yep. It is a brief description of it. Yeah. Then says what its military presence is. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, because well, again, seventy-five percent of it is uh, no one cares. We didn't even or talk they police themselves. Yeah, we didn't talk about the two militaries that exist: the RCCR and the collectivists, or whatever. They're they're both just sort of jokes about uh, the like either uh, UKIP, I think, is one of the jokes, and the other one is like Russians. Yes. There's one that's like, oh, we're the communist ones, but we're still just bad, and yeah, it doesn't matter. So, just not very interesting. The But the way it's laid out is you get that, you get the military, and then uh, one notable person and one notable place, and that's it. <laughs> My favorite thing about the notable places is generally like, this is a slum. Well, what's the notable place? A slum in the slum. Yeah, it's that's the main issue, is you go, all right, what is this? Oh, it's some place where the dispossessed live. Okay. And what's notable about it? Ah, uh, uh, there's a, a place that's got less shit than most. <laughs> Welcome to Poop Junction. Oh, what's this? Slightly less poop alley. It's the upper class part of Poop Junction. <laughs> yeah, it's just like most of the descriptions, because so much of it is the same thing over and over again. The <laughs> the attempts to try and make them differentiated from each other. It just feels like it got really, really difficult for the writer to get to a point where he was like, okay, do I have a new idea for a slum? No? Okay. Because some of them were like, this is a slum built in the side of a big spire, okay? This is a slum in a big building. This is a slum in the ruins of a factory. This is a slum in canal. They built the slum on top of the canal because it's that dirty. This is the biggest slum in town. It takes up the most space, and it's in the most spacious part of town. Your mom's ass. Eh. <laughs> Edgy. <laughs> so, yeah, I got to say, just the actual layout of giving the information is so monotonous that a setting that was already kind of boring got even worse. Yeah. So what's the worst for you? Uh, I, I'm going to take... A I'm going to try and take a slightly different tack, but still stick to the kind of the tone and layout of the book. Mm -hmm. The fact that this book is like 90% setting and no, almost no rules, and the rules that are presented aren't 
interesting enough to justify the rule set. Like, this should have been a D20 OGL supplement. It came out in 2001 to 2004. This should have just been like, hey, you can play as a fucking soldier. Here, It's a 20 class, three, roll 3D6. Three like, why even bother coming up with a bo- this boring of a rule set for, <laughs> for this boring of a setting? Why bother? Well, I mean, once you start looking at the point buys for all of these things, you go, okay. Except point buy should be to make your character exactly what you want them to be rather than having to be a class. Yeah. But with this... There's nothing to buy. There's It's just some skills and your stat points, and if you try and make any of your stats particularly good, you just suck at basically everything yeah, else. Yeah, there's, it's it's so bad. It Like, normally in a game like this, you get a tremendous amount of points, and then you're going to spend them on things like skills, powers, interesting gear, uh, gimmicks, allies... All these cool things that, that define your character and make them an interesting and vital part of the world. But in this one, you're done after skill selection. Oh, yeah. You're not like there, doing anything there else. There is an advantage-disadvantage, but the problem for the, most of the disadvantages is it'll maybe give you, like, 20 points if you take a severe disadvantage. You're like, yo, I'm blind, and that gave me, like, 20 points. And it doesn't matter because you've got nothing cool to spend them on. The advantages are just the opposite. It's just like... Oh, my character is slightly more perceptive than most. Yeah, it's, oh, I've got good hearing. It's like, well, okay, but you also could just put points in the skill for that. Yeah. You didn't, it, this does nothing. There's no coolness to this. There's no, like, ro- there's no robot arms. There's no... Well, cool. yeah, because no one is allowed to be cool. Yeah, then, and that's going to be my big, my, my downside. No one is allowed to be cool in this game. Yeah. All right, would you play this? Good God, no. This is the just a terrible setting with a rule set that isn't interesting and there's no story that i think anyone would run me through in a state where i'd go oh boy that was worth my time yeah so yeah would you i assume not no no why would i play this yeah i barely play any games at all and if i'm going to play one i'm going to play one that's you know got something to it yeah a little a little meat on the bones something to hold on to yeah a little more cushion for the pushing if you will (laughs) a little more dance floor in the fog machine yeah so, so yeah, there you go. A double no recommend. Just a boring game. Not worth it for the art. Not worth it for the writing. Not worth it for the rules. Yep. This is a failure on all levels. And thankfully, I'm sure no one has ever heard of it, so it's fine. Actually, when I posted that we were going to be doing this, I got a lot of comments that were people like, oh, yeah, that game. I've seen that game. I know that game. Those guys wrote like four other things. I'm sure they did. And I'm sure there's some fan of it out there who's like, you guys just don't know how to play it. Look, you guys don't understand. You're supposed to be like a grim hero in a dark world that hates you. Well, I mean, there are certain things that we didn't even talk about. That like The most innovative things in this are probably the XP mechanics. Because notably, you get a bunch of XP for instilling hope was yeah. one of them. If you're like, if you meet a boy on the street, you don't rape him to death, then you'll get a bonus to hope XP. <laughs> Great. Uh, the other one I-, I liked a lot was the secret ballot XP distribution mechanic. Which is the dumbest idea for XP distribution. So the idea being that you're supposed to get a bonus to XP based on how good you roleplay. Look, folks, that's in a whole bunch of books from from all of history of, of, of oh, yeah. uh, RPGs. It, it universally is ignored and should be ignored, and people should stop bothering to put it in there. Yeah, the whole like, oh, how good did you roleplay? And especially... When it's the other people at the table are the ones judging you on it. If there's one way to get someone to stop playing in your cool uh, like hobby that you love, it's to sit there and judge them by not being good enough. Yep. Yeah, so here's how this works. You can give your fellow players anywhere between one and eight points for how well they did at role-playing. Uh, at the end of, of 
you do this secretly. You write down a secret ballot. You turn it into the DM. The DM then doubles all of those and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, gives you double the average of everyone's score to, for you. So if you got, for example, a 1, a 3, and an 8, you'd add those together, get a 12, um, and then you would take, sorry, you get the average of that. So a 4. A 4. And then you would uh, <laughs> you would receive 8 XP. Yes. So if anyone gets less than, what is it, 12 or 24 XP or whatever, well, if, it's 8. if anyone doesn't give everyone else score. at the table an 8. I'm too tired for the math, John. Yeah, no, if, if you get your score back and you're like, oh, wait, I didn't get 16 points worth of XP, oh, it's fucking on. Yeah. Whoever, because at that point, it's a race to the bottom. Yes. The no very one next knows setting, who did it. The very next setting, everyone is getting one XP. Yeah, because the guy who didn't get his full is like, oh, well, everyone gets a one because fuck you. Yeah. And then because you did that to everyone, everyone goes to ones as well. Why so are we Why are we doing this? 16 XP or 2 XP, and this is where you are at. L- listen, folks, here's the way to do skill systems XP, and it's real fucking easy. It, your players should level up when you want them to for the story. Yeah, well, this doesn't have levels. I know, it's got Jeff. skill points. So in this game, your character should get skill points to spend when you want them to for the story. It shouldn't be because one of them was sad a couple of weeks ago because their dog died and they didn't RP very well, so now they have to wait until uh, until later, even though your story needs them to have the skill points now. It's, yeah, the how well did you roleplay or did you do something cool, get extra XP for an individual level is awful. There are some games that do it for... If anyone has a cool moment, you put the XP into the group XP lot. Mm -hmm. And that way, even if you're having an off day, if other people are super cool, you can still get some extra XP, whatever. But no one feels like, oh, I'm getting fucked. Even then, you're still going to be leveling up at the speed controlled by the DM's wishes for the game. If he's like, hey, you guys, I I don't want you guys to have 50 XP right now because this next encounter requires 40, he's going to have to be like, yeah, you guys didn't do any cool things this game setting. Or he's got to let you plow through the setting he just wrote because you've got too much XP. So instead, just let the DM control it and just done, done. It, that's all you need to do. Just done. Because that way it balances along with the system. Nah. Nah. <laughs> okay, fine. We have a universal disagreement on this one. <laughs> yeah. Folks, write in. Tell us the correct way to do XP. The correct way to do XP is incrementally. is based on how much pizza you give the DM. That's what it is. It's based on DM. It's the universal scale of DM pizza. Yeah. Even though in Scotland where this game was written, I'm sure pizza is some garbage. Oh, no. It's going to be some deep fried thing because it's Scotland. Yeah, it's Scotland. They'll have deep fried it and accidentally also deep fried your car keys while they were at it. (laughs) Yeah. Also, because it's Scotland, uh, they're also trying to get your pizza because they're all too cheap to buy their own. I don't know. I'm trying to remember Scottish things. Anything about Scotland? Well, they're going to give you a soda the color of pizza grease to drink with it. Yeah. Because that's what Urn Brew is. they're They're all cheap. They all eat deep fried food and all of them are just terrible people toothless street metal ball rollers the lot of them the lot of you scottish folk i, I actually wait it's just the brit britain we hate we love scotland yeah no i love ireland well you love ireland and i love except scotland. for that that british part of ireland that can fuck right off <laughs> what about the irish part of britain <laughs> oh that's fine <laughs> I, i'm on board with team scotland scotland is rad as fuck yeah. It's not their fault this book came out of there. Come at me, you fucking hooligans. <laughs> John's coming out as universally anti-Scotland. <laughs> We're mixed on this one. We're together in our distinct hatred of England, but Scotland uh, is is a mixed bag. I think, blessing. I think as the show rolls on, I'm just going to become more and more hatred of everything in Europe. <laughs> like Eventually, I'm just going to be like, fucking Italians. 
Well, we're going to have to get an Italian role-playing game. <laughs> Goddamn right we are. I already hate the French. <laughs> All right. Okay, I think we're just about done. <laughs> All right, folks, this has been the System Mastery Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Support our Patreon at Patreon.com slash System Mastery. Uh, we're currently tracking very well towards our, our big two goals because at a thousand bucks an episode, we will start showing up at more conventions in other coasts than ours and make our expounded universe or Star Wars expanded universe book review podcast weekly instead of biweekly. Yeah. Wondering if we have the time for it? Yes, we do, because now I'm also unemployed. <laughs> Join me. Join me in my Mama Celeste hut. Oh, San Diego is the worst. I've got a yurt made out of pizza boxes, and you must join me in so, it. So, folks, if you, if uh, if the show starts to sound a little more please give us money-ish, <laughs> it's because it needs to. <laughs> anyway, please, if you feel like supporting us, do. I don't care. If you do, we you get your bonus content, which is uh, us making characters in these games. So we're about to go make A-State characters, even though it's late, and I don't want to. <laughs> That is true. Nobody <laughs> wants to make A-State characters. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway, and it's going to be funny. If you got questions or comments, send them to us at SystemMastery at Gmail, Twitter, Facebook, or Reddit. Thank you so much for listening, and have a good week. Bye.